question this past week from a family that's actually in Washington State who had read the book and is also, like many of you, don't actually have their property yet and in the uh, course of hunting for something. But the question that they asked, um, one of many, was the aspects of using your residence, um, a property that you live on, as actually a wedding venue and how to make something like that work where it's your home and then on the weekends it becomes, you know, a giant party place for, you know, a couple hundred people. And if there was any tips or understandings um, or tricks on how to be able to live in that condition and make it as comfortable as possible. I'm sure as many of you realize that after a while, um, it can be quite a, a drain, honestly, to have people out every weekend and you have a real um, loss of your own sense and your own privacy. And that is a legitimate downside to doing the, the venue business. The, the parts of it that make it so overwhelmingly positive of having happy families and couples and seeing all these exciting things that are happening, you know, in your backyard, being able to bring such a rich and wonderful experience to people and provide the setting for that, I, I will say day in and day out, definitely overwhelms the, the downsides to this piece of it uh, for me personally. Um, if you're, like I say in the book, if you're not a social person, this is one of the worst ideas that you could ever have. <laughs> so don't even think about going down this route if you honestly can't handle having in the summertime a thousand people, if not more, in your backyard walking across your lawn or out on your farm property. So when you decide that you're going to do this, it is still important for your own sanity. Um, if you have a family like um, I do, then boundaries are really important, especially if you have kids. Um, it's particularly tough, I think, with children in the house because kids don't need to be cooped up and they should be able to run around in their backyard. So if you have children that are, you know, mine now are 12 and 15 years old, but when we got started with all of this, it was, you know, they were six, seven, eight, and, you know, 10 and very active in, in wanting to be able to go out. And so it presented some particular challenges on how I don't keep my kids locked in during the day while mom is working weddings. Um, now the, there's um, a little bit more mobility and being able to take them to go play with uh, friends and stuff like that makes it a little bit easier. But there are some, some suggestions and ways to approach this that I highly recommend and uh, based on you know their own personal experience. Um, we always joked that you know, when you have a wedding venue on your private property, you no longer have a house. You suddenly live in a 7-Eleven and people don't get the concept or grasp the concept that, you know, your property is your home and not a public park someplace. And you will get, despite, you know, your best intentions or what you publicize about, you know, your business and how to reach you and contact you for tours, people inevitably will be driving around. They'll want to check it out. They will pull up into your driveway or out onto your um, parking lot and start helping themselves and giving themselves a private tour. It happens rarely, but it does happen. And you kind of have to have your own kind of um, fortitude to be able to deal with that and do it gracefully. Uh, I would, you know, 
John and I a couple of times pulled into our driveway to see people all over the property that didn't have an appointment with us. And you're just like, oh my gosh, we're coming home and we're finding, you know, folks just wandering around out here. And it's okay to grumble to yourselves and just be like, oh, but once you get out of the car and you go to approach them, you got to have a smile on your face because you know what? You asked for it. (laughs) Um, Not everybody um, kind of follows the rules despite how well they're laid out. But so number one is if you don't, have to use your home or the vicinity around your house on your rural property as a part of the venue, then don't. Um, keep it separate. Make it a, you know, put a physical barrier if at all possible so that you do have, um, you know, a, again, a fort built around it. You may have several outbuildings um, that you're able to use for your bathrooms and your kitchens and changing rooms, and and the house isn't anything other than maybe just a, a really cool piece of the decor because it's a you know like ours an old farmhouse or something like that, and so that's always the number one step is lay out your venue on your property and keep your house out of it if you can. Um, and signs are important and go so far as to put a boundary around it. If you can, a a fence, demark it as someplace that is completely separate. Privacy fences are important because especially if you have kids or if you just want to sit out on your back porch or on your patio on a beautiful summer night and you want to be able to have a glass of wine and you don't need a couple hundred people watching you do it, then that's a good idea. And then signs are always important too. If you do have that fence, you know, into the gate or something like that. So people don't, you know, they explore. I mean, you can't stop people. They're curious by nature. Um, and they're going to want to wander around. If you have a closed gate or a closed door, they're definitely going to want to go in behind it and see what's going on. So signs are important. So now let's say, you know, like what we have at Woodland Meadow Farms, you actually have to use a piece of the house for the venue then how do you kind of establish some boundaries? At Woodland Meadow Farms, it's an older farm home that was built in 1919. It was elevated because the area that we're in outside of Seattle is actually a flood zone. And so uh, as a part of um, several FEMA projects, they would come out into areas that had a lot of flooding and they would provide grants to raise the house up, basically add another story to it or a basement level. And this basement level was supposed to be the flood zone. Um, And so the farmhouse is actually up. So that means at our place, the main piece of the property is actually elevated um, a full story up. So we live upstairs on the second floor and the lower floor is actually a changing space. Um, It's a garage area, but you know, it has been fitted out to, uh, you know, be the, the wheelie bar. And so if you're going to use um, a space in your home, in your actual residence, then make sure that there are separate and entries so that people don't have to go through your home in order to be able to access it or they're not in close proximity to where you need to be able to be and live and play. And so in this case, there's separate doors that go into the basement. We have a private staircase that goes upstairs to the house, a sign across the bottom of the stairs that says, stay away. Um, and then the, the deck railing around the upper level where we want privacy is actually walled completely off so you can't even see. So again, you're able to go out, have a glass of wine, have your dinner, uh, still be on property and be able to touch in with everybody, but you're not concerned about um, you know people being able to see you. So third, um, a security system is really important. So there is a monitored security system on the property, and that's because 
inevitably, like I said earlier, despite your best intentions in putting signs and asking people to contact you ahead of time for appointments, people do tend to wander out onto the property whenever they feel like it. And it's um, it's a tad ridiculous, and it doesn't have to always be wedding guests. Sometimes we have vendors, uh, caterers, DJs, anybody that, again, are more familiar with working with a hotel or an actual venue that's a building and it's a whole business and just somehow lose sight of the fact that they've just walked out onto private, you know, private property and private homes. And so a security system makes sure that, you know, when people come out there that, you know, you don't get your stuff stolen because you've gone to work that day and you're not actually out at your house waiting for strangers to just show up at a moment's notice. The other piece of it that goes with the security system is if you don't want to get nailed by having the cops out there every time somebody comes out and opens up the door to let themselves in, then make sure you have signs on your doors and let people know that there's actually an armed security system and that if they don't have an appointment with you, that if they attempt to enter into the premises, that the cops may actually show up. It doesn't have to be worded in a way that makes it rude, but you have to be direct. Otherwise, as has happened to us over the years, we get a phone call from our security system and they're asking us whether or not we know that someone's walked into the door or, you know, opened up, a you know, the garage or whatever it is. And if we're around, one of us has to drive back to make sure what's going on. And if we don't get that phone call, then they automatically call the, the police. And you get that enough times and they start billing you for the cops time to go out there. And you do not want that. So number four is putting signs on your property and letting everybody know that it is actually private property, that it is not a public park. And so we do have signs. Um, the other kind of intruders that we get quite often on our properties are photographers. And I have a, you know, a, a pretty uh, formalized process for working with photographers because we love it when people do take pictures. On the property, it's great marketing, and you know, I can touch on that in other um, podcasts. But um, some photographers, again, just don't get boundaries, and they'll pull into their driveway with their seniors or their family and go, Oh, look at that beautifully landscaped lawn! Let's a neat swing, let's go sit under it and take a bunch of photos. And again, you're sitting out there in your hot tub with a glass of wine, and you got people rolling into your driveway. So, getting signs out on the property that establish that it's private and that there's no trespassing. That way, from a legal perspective, you are protected by saying that you've duly informed everybody that this is private property and that trespassing is not allowed. And then also, I have a second sign on the properties that say, hey, if you want a tour and would like to see this, I have the phone number and the website for them to contact me. And a special note for photographers that we do welcome photo sessions, but they aren't allowed without an appointment. And if I see you out there, I will ask you to leave kindly. And that usually kind of sets off a tone for people to get that, yeah, I, I need to abide by some boundaries there. And it actually can help. Um, we actually had a uh, one of the craziest things that, you know, nobody ever saw coming um, regarding, you know, people misunderstanding that this is not a public space, but this is actually a private space. Many years ago, one of the guests at a wedding was apparently a developer for a geocaching game out of the Bay Area. And when they were on the property for the wedding, they took some photos of some of the features that we had. And one of them was a wedding bell that um, was actually the, the dinner bell from the farm that John's dad grew up in out in Kansas. Um, they took a picture of our fountain out in the middle. And then we have this um, swing area. And they entered it into as a location for this geocaching game. And 
we occasionally would get people that pulled up in the driveway because they were trying to, um, and, and honestly, I don't, I don't play geocaching. I'm only aware of it because I know other people have done it. So I don't understand the intricacies of it, but I do get that it's like a scavenger hunt. And so people would pull in, be able to um, acquire that position in their scavenger hunt and then go on. That was not a big deal. It happened probably three or four times that somebody came out and actually did it. And that's how we discovered that we were on this geocaching game. But it took a whole nother level of out of control when Pokemon Go came out a couple of years ago. Because somehow all those geocaching points became Pokemon Go locations. And our fountain actually on the property became a gym, which my kids played Pokemon Go. That's how we discovered that we had this going on. And it was crazy how many people we had just stopping by. Some people actually did, you know, get that they weren't supposed to come pulling into the driveway. They saw it and they were like, man, this actually looks like this is a house. And, um, and people were very courteous, but I had to spend some time talking to people and, um, you know, letting them know, uh, you know, how to reach certain points or if they kind of gave me the creeps, I, you know, just told them that they couldn't get access to the, the points. I reached out to the developers of Pokemon to try to get our place off of the list, but they got hit with so many places that it never even happened. But what was funny was that it added this really interesting, um, uh, element to weddings that summer because so many people were playing it that when people discovered that we actually had a gym on the property, it was like another upsell for us, believe it or not. And my son was frustrated because he kept trying to claim the gym for himself and would lose it every weekend to somebody else that came out there. And, um, and so it was a, it was that piece of where, you know, again, private property, but people coming out to it don't get that, you know, it's not so much. And so it added, like I said, a little flavor for us a couple of years ago. Um, one of the other ways of balancing, this is number five on my list, is um, you know balancing this whole having your home as a venue is you do need to find a way to take some days off. And while the, the real upside to running this type of a business on your rural property is that it's something that you can definitely do all on your own, but don't get yourself stuck you know, there at the property the whole time. And it goes into point six, which is resist being anchored, you know, at your house all day during your event. So you can get away it, it, as much as you want to be hands on with everybody and to be there for them for every minute that they need you. The reality is, is they don't need you that much. Um, they need you in the morning when they get there and you've got people who've never been to the property. They want to know where the bathrooms are, where you keep the ladders, where the tables and chairs go. They need a generic overview and you kind of have to point people around and stuff like that. But during the bigger part of the day in the middle, once they've got everything decorated and they're getting themselves set up, they're they're kind of on their own. And um, checking in with them to find out when the DJ shows up, when the caterers show up, especially if they're people you've never worked with before, then, you know, make a point to be back there at the property at that time. But, you know, go get your chores done. Go do your errands. Go do some laundry. You know, don't feel like you have to be there, you know, the entire 14 hours just pinned at their hip. Um, because that is going to wear on you after, you know, a while, you know, this last summer I did nine weekends in a row with three weddings a weekend. And if I hadn't found ways to be able to do all the other things that I needed to do, go work out on the farm in the garden in the sun and do all that other stuff, I would have gone completely, um, you know, crazy. And, you know, with that regard, if you've got important events coming up in the summertime, uh, you know, find a, a trustworthy person that you can actually hire to fill in for you and get away from the house, um, especially, again, if the house is a piece of the venue. 
it'll do a lot for recharging your batteries and keeping you motivated and always keeping a smile on your face that when you're back on the property, you are genuinely, um, you know, ready for them and, and there to be able to help them out. So point seven is in your house, there are some things that you can also do. Um, in order to be able to maintain your privacy and that balance. And one of them is invest in some light blocking curtains. When you're in the evenings and the um, late afternoons and you want to be able to turn your lights on, especially if your house is really close to where the action is. And at Woodland Meadow Farms, it's one and the same. Like I said, the you know one of our changing areas is the basement, but then you know, the house uh, porch and patio is right there where the ceremony, or not the ceremony, I'm sorry, where the reception area is. And so when I, you know, want to watch a movie or have the lights on in the house so that I can cook dinner or anything for anybody, I'm conscious of the fact that those lights bleed out into the property, you know, where they might want mood lighting or they don't want to see, you know, all the lights on or, or they don't want to watch you walking around inside the house, you know, um, you know, whatever it may be. And so light blocking curtains are a big deal. Get them on all the windows that everybody else can see. That way you can live inside your home and nobody's looking in and peeping at you and you're not sitting there, you know, trying to, you know, skulk around and stuff like that. Also, if you get heavier curtains, they can actually help block the sound from the DJ and the music that may be playing. So again, if your home ends up being located really closely to where the reception area is, you're going to end up listening to dance music and you're going to listen to Sir Mix a lot, way more than you ever thought you were going to. So if you don't want to get just worn out by listening to the same wedding music over and over again, then um, again, find ways that you can actually block sound as well as light from getting into the house. And... Your piece to that, that rolls into number eight, which is when you're setting up your venue in the beginning, think about things like that ahead of time. Think about whether or not there's a way of laying out a reception area that isn't right at the house because the reception is the last part of the event and it's the noisiest and it's the one that goes late to the night. And if you've got um, kids that need to go to sleep and you can't be troubled with having um, loud music playing right under their bedroom window or, you know, many times John would go to bed early because, you know, he had to get up the next day and work um, at the concrete business or, you know, do anything else. Then you kind of want to make sure that you've planned that out ahead. And I will tell you that about the reception area at Woodland Meadow Farms. None of that was really considered, to be honest with you. Um, it, you know, it located it where it was located because it made sense from just a space planning thing. And in the early days when you're maybe more involved in the weddings and you're actually down there and you're enjoying the music, then it's no big deal. But, you know, you get yourself six, seven, eight years into this. And again, you've heard every wedding song that's ever been played. You know the timing. You kind of need to be able to uh, take a break from it. And so if you can put the, the music zone in the dancing area away from the house and not right up next to it, that's going to make a huge difference. Because you know, you want to be able to watch a movie. Um, you want to be able to have a conversation. You, you know, like I said, my kids, you want to be able to get them to bed, you know, at a decent time and not have them, you know, disrupted by having the music downstairs. And so um, try to try to plan that out if you can. Um, and then finally, the big balance is weddings uh, happen in the summer, especially if you're doing an outdoor venue. But tours happen year round. And I, I do point that out in the book that you have to be able to be ready to deliver a tour, you know, seven days a week, um, 365 days a year. And so the big piece of that is establishing boundaries with your timing. 
making time in the day and certain days just sacred. They are your days. You don't do tours. You don't do open houses. You don't schedule rehearsals. You know, whatever that is for you, make it, stick to it, hold it, love it. And don't, don't let people intrude on that. Um, you know, for me, it is not doing tours before 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, unless I absolutely have to, or we have some issues or, you know, whatever. Um, and that is because as I have learned, I want to be able to get up in the morning. I want to have a cup of coffee. I want to have breakfast with my kids on the weekends. I want to be able to make time to, you know, make people eggs and pancakes and things like that, or even for myself. Um, and I don't want to feel like I have to jump out of bed right away every single Saturday and Sunday morning, you know, when there's no weddings going on to be able to do the tours. And so I block that time out, you know, in the morning for that to happen for me and for all of us. And then at night, there's a cutoff point. Um, in the wintertime up here in the Northwest, it gets dark really early. So that's kind of a natural boundary. Um, but, you know, in the summer times or, you know, during the week and stuff like that, there's a limit of which at some point in time, it's dinner time, it's sitting with the family time. There's no more, you know, taking time out to do tours for people because it's more convenient for them. And I know the customer is always really important and that's a key part of business, but you are also really important and your sanity and the sanctity of your own personal space is, is vital. Um, and so you have to think about what are those blocks of time. You have to be flexible. Um, don't do this if you can't be flexible. And but you know, setting up a, a, a structure in when you allow people on the property, that way you know that you can go to your hot tub and have a glass of wine, and there won't be people wandering out there for the rehearsal or the open house. And you can create those boundaries. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest factors of being able to do this. So. The question about using your home as a venue and, and you know what can happen with it, well, it, it can be hard. Um, it can be really exhausting at times. And like I said, you know, there are several things that you can do to make that, um, to mitigate that as much as possible. Again, I do believe the upside is, is that the weddings, you know, the bulk of the people on your property are limited to weekends and in the summertime. And so that's a, that's a big deal there. So it, this isn't like something that happens, um, you know, all the time. Um, but it, uh, if you don't find a way to be able to balance that and kind of thoughtfully think about that, some of these things ahead of time, yeah, you can go crazy pretty quickly and it's tough to have to redesign your, your, uh, wedding venue after you've already opened it up. So I hope these points are really, um, good for you. I hope that they kind of help put some, um, shed some light on how to be able to do this. Like I said, number one, don't make your house a part of the venue if you can. Number two, if you have to, make your entry spaces separate from the main living area. Three, get yourself a good security system to protect yourself and your property and make sure you have signs to let people know that you have a security system. Four, put signs on your property, establishing it that it's private and there's no trespassing and you know giving them ways to be able to reach you for tours so that they can come back and you can show them around. Um, five and six, take some days off and also realize that you don't have to be there the whole time so that you can get out and get away, go do things. Seven, in your house, find ways to be able to block light and sound so that you can enjoy your home in the evening while you're waiting for them to wrap up their event. Um, eight, think about putting your reception area as far away from the house as possible, if it's possible. Um, and nine, create boundaries on when you will have the public on your property and when it's your private home and, you know, keep people away. So anyways, have a great afternoon, great day, um, and thank you very much for your time and for listening.